Lessons for the class of 2020 on how to get through the recession that really apply actually to all of us from what may be one of the best sources possible. It is Monday, June 8th, and this is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, coming to you from my very grown up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you from outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacking Benjamins podcast. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And this is the Money News Show with commentary from recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break the stories down into what matters to you, our friends. We leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Today's show is brought to you by Acre Trader, investing in farmland simplified. Uh, Mark Twain said, buy land, they're not making it anymore. Lots of reasons to buy farmland, but also it is something you need to understand a lot about before you get involved. So head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. And if you put that on the end slash MWF, that's how you help the show. Uh, because if it ends up being for you, Bobby, then, um, then they send us a thank you. So thanks to everybody who's used our link. If they decided acre trader was right for them, we'll talk about them a little more, but today we're talking about the weirdest graduations ever. Cheryl and I were walking around uh, Purdue University. We happen to be in that area of the country and we're walking around the campus and seeing all these graduates with their caps and gowns, taking pictures and having their own individual graduations. Mostly that feel, it feels so sad, but on the other side, Bobby, they have, they have a graduation ceremony that they will be able to talk about their whole life that hopefully nobody else they know will have had. Yes, they have a very shared experience being separate. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. That is very, very well put. Well, today we're going to talk about some career advice that uh, the class of 2020 has. Bobby and I will also have some advice for them, I'm sure. So let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. It's time for today's headlines only at money with friends. And by the way, one of the reasons that I selected this piece is I think that the lessons are relevant to all of us. And I also want to point out, this is a piece from Quartz and it is by Stacy Hagenbau. She is the director of the Lazarus Center for Career Development at Smith College. So this is important that it's coming from someone who really is in the weeds when it comes to helping young adults get jobs. And so she's really... Uh, very honest and really cuts to the point a lot more than somebody who's not necessarily that close to the situation. It begins, lessons for the class of 2020 from the class of 2008. As director of career development at a women's college, I have the privilege of working with students as they plan their way to postgraduate life. It's pure joy watching them puzzle through a seemingly endless sea of options to find a pathway that gives them a sense of purpose in the world. My colleagues and I were on the same annual pilgrimage with members of the class 2020, and then the whole world seemed to bottom out. I have seen this kind of confusion and fear before. More than a decade ago, after the economic crisis of 2008, I heard similar frail voices expressing doubt about the future. In the weeks after our campus closed this March, I reached out to those former students I had worked with and asked them for help. The class of 2008, the great 08s rallied. In just one day, I had a panel of alumni, alumni eager to give hope to the 2020s who are following in their footsteps. 
In 2008, many students graduated only to find job offers rescinded after the market crashed. The family couch became a popular post-graduation destination. Faced with this landscape, they could have just sat there wallowing in self-pity and despair, but they didn't. They got creative, scrappy, and tenacious. They found little sparks of possibility that opened up new opportunities. Here are four lessons all of us, most especially the class of 2020, can learn from them. And I do want to emphasize all of us can learn from them. Yeah, I think these are fantastic. The first one on our list here is that there is no shame in a patchwork quilt of experience. Yeah, this is so relevant. And I think it's something that follows us all through life. We talk about having multiple income streams and the gig economy. The truth is, even if it was all neat and clean, tied up with a bow, a lot of people would have had multiple jobs and, and life is messy. The truth is you can have a job and still need other jobs and even in the best of times, I mean, when I graduated in the nineties, I, you know, I don't talk about this a lot, Joe, but I didn't find a job. It seems like forever. It was August, end of August. By the time I got my, my first job that I talk about is my first job at CNBC, but I had a lot of little tiny things that I was doing to make money while living at home, feeling very not great. Cause I couldn't get a quote, real job. It's messy and no one should feel bad about that. It's, it's very rare that you sort of land your perfect job in, you know, in your senior year and just, you know, scoot off to that and live happily ever after. Life is going to be messy. And unfortunately, it's extremely messy right now for the class of 2020. Back in the uh, back in the 1990s, I remember you know, Fast Company was uh, then uh just just saying stuff that at the time seemed incredibly revolutionary and uh, they and a management guru who I still follow today uh, I think he's he's brilliant a man named Tom Peters uh, they were both talking about this concept of brand you and it's funny how 20 25 years later we're talking about it much more now because then Bobby, the idea of working less than 30 years for the same employer was well, it, it seemed like there must be something wrong with you if you're not working for somebody for a long time. And yet Tom Peters said, you want to, you want to take care of your own brand, which means, while I agree, there's nothing wrong with this patchwork. If you're worried about your brand, the answer of why you were involved with the company, how you were a team player and why you left are also still incredibly important questions if you're protecting your brand. We're seeing right now, I'm, I, I was reading this morning about a celebrity who was on the show Glee, where all of all the people on Glee are now talking about how horrible she was to work with and how hard she was. You don't want to be that person. I mean, whether it's right or wrong, you don't want to be the person people talk about. So taking care of your brand is incredibly important. But that patchwork of the brands you worked with, I mean, how great is it to say that, yeah, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and they all informed what I what I do now. And it's funny how yeah. it, 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 I mean, it could all be mistakes. I mean, I was mm -hmm. a disc jockey in, in, in college doing weddings and fraternity parties, high school dances, but it made me not afraid of the microphone, something that you and I do all the time today. Uh, uh, it's funny. It, it, I thought I had nothing to do with finance. It turns out now it has a ton to do with my career. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, they do talk about the fact that little gigs strung together are absolutely fine. They're a pattern of little successes that serve to keep you going. And I do think that there's a good point that you should get out and do 
almost anything rather than just sit on the couch if you can. Of course, I'm saying this during a pandemic where we're being told to sit on the couch. So just metaphorically, um, you should be doing something or something virtual where you're you're doing some kind of productive thing, whether it's a research study or or get, you know, I, I don't know. But just do, to be productive, do little things because even, you know, I had jobs at a store. I had a job at a store called The Lodge, which is kind of like The Gap. And I did a lot of folding clothes, but I also learned a lot about selling to people and, and you know, making Customer sure that service. people, you know, were had what they wanted and someone was listening to what did you come in to buy and what else do you need and how can I help you and that's something those just general and, and by the way showing up on time to work little things like that yeah those are important things when you get a reputation for being reliable being on time I'm on time Joe <laughs> when we tape right just saying there's no, but it means in all seriousness, I'm giving you a hard time, but actually those general work skills of just knowing how to dress appropriately, how to interact with your coworkers, how to interact with clients and so on are all really important skills that you can learn in almost any job and uh, reference letters from any job are good. Well, it's funny. While being on time might not be my strong suit, I'll tell you something that is that I learned I didn't early on. That's come out like that. No, but that's fine. <laughs> but, 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 but seriously, uh, part of you know, part of what I learned early on, um, and, and be, not being on time, by the way, is not respectful of other people's time, and that really bothers me. But but another thing that I learned though that I think I do very well is keep a high pace, keep a fast pace, learn to keep a fast pace and get used to a fast pace because the world is fast paced and there's in the faster pace that you can keep the, the, the easier it's going to be. You know, there are people who might be smarter than you, but it's difficult. It's difficult for people to outwork you. Um, yeah. and even though I do agree with sometimes working smarter beats the hell out of working yes. harder. Um, you can say a lot of great stuff about, hardworking people getting there in a, you and I both know people yeah. in the, in the, in the field of journalism or writing or blogging who are not the best writers, but are some mm -hmm. of the most successful writers because they're hustlers, yes. you know? Yes. You have to actually ask for the job. You have to actually deliver on time and become reliable and get that reputation. And you also have to put in a lot of hours that people may not see. That's yeah. another big piece of advice that I would give personally, because I know that a lot of the things that I've done and people say, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You've done that. Well, they didn't notice all the evenings that I spent working after my family kind of went to bed and still studying, for example, for the CFP exam till midnight for four months because I, they were whatever. It just, it, it, you do have to put in the time you do. I can tell you and from this is a good time to do that. If you're not working, working in a job yet. Firsthand experience. Bobby rebel is, uh, one of, if not the most prepared person I know, no matter oh, what we're you. doing, she always right, let's prides now. herself. <laughs> let's talk about graduate right. school, which I never attended, by the way. Yeah, that is number two. Now about graduate school. Yes. Now about graduate school. And I will tell you, so there's the, the what, what she basically says is that this can be a good option, but you have to think about why you're pursuing it and going in just because it's something to do with your time can be a bad idea because sometimes you basically qualify yourself for jobs that you don't want and you spend a lot of money to do that. And that's something I'm generally happy I did not do. I was tempted to do that. I felt um, a lot of peer pressure and a lot of um, inferiority complex that many of my peers at places, prestigious places I worked, specifically Reuters, especially so many people had gone to say Columbia Graduate School for journalism. And there I was, I had no, I felt I had no street cred because I didn't go to, the, I didn't have the graduate journalism degree, but I'm not sure that it really hurt me that much in practicality. And so having a graduate degree for the sake of it is not necessarily the best use of your time or money and it doesn't solve getting a job necessarily if it's if it's going to get you where you need to go to get the job that's a different story but you really have to think carefully about it i think here's here's a big point 
many studies. I, I can think of three different studies. I don't have them right in front of me, but I can think of three different studies that I've seen that show that older people do better in school than younger people generally have much, much higher grades when they're in the same class. You can actually look at the age of people in a college classroom and older people will do better. And you know what the, you know what the reason is that they, they continually are able to isolate life experience. And it's, Mm -hmm. I, I think it's way better to get a little life experience and understand a little bit about how the world works and then go and, and get your uh, advanced degree because you, number one, you know why you're there, you know, specifically what you're trying to learn and you're using more of a plug-in system. I remember when I started paying for school myself, uh, sitting next to somebody in a class at Michigan state and, um, and the guy next to me going, man, this class is such a blow off. And he thought it was great because mom and dad were paying for college and he'd never had a job. I had had, I was working three jobs at the time, paying up for my own school. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm getting ripped off. I'm learning nothing here. I don't care about anything except learning. And I'm not learning anything from this idiot because mm-hmm. of, it's a blow-off course. Blow-off courses yeah. became a horrible thing instead of a great thing yeah. like they had been in high well, school. Well, the, st- the, the stakes are higher. I higher. remember we, we talked um, in Saturday's show about the CFP exam. I did it in four months. The re- I just did the review class and it was so much work, but the stakes were so high. I was so determined to pass. And that's why I was putting in all these hours and staying up till midnight, driving my family crazy because I couldn't spend more than four months doing it. And if I didn't pass that thing, I was either going to be a failure, which I didn't want to do that, or it was another four months and it would be even more stressful because when you take something you've already failed like that, that's even more. It's like, oh, yeah. you failed. Oh, and now you're taking it again. Good luck. And that's a course. You by know, the, that, just humiliate. I mean, it's just, there's nothing, it's too hard. It's a very hard exam. There's nothing humiliating about failing it. I'm just saying for me, the stakes were very high as an adult a- who was taking time off from income, putting my family through a lot. I was not blowing off that course. I was studying. I was studying hard. I was not going to fail. That's a test. It's very easy to fail. It's very easy. It's all trick questions. Number Should three. Move to number three. Go ahead. Yes. Sorry. Yes. There's the networking thing. Yes. Networking. Networking is something I always thought that I wanted to learn everything when I was young, I just thought, you know what, there's value in learning everything. And then I realized the older I got, the time was my enemy and that I didn't need to reinvent the wheel. And that also things became incredibly easier if I could plug the right people into, into my life that could help me figure out that situation or just help me do it. You can do almost anything you want if you're surrounded by the right people. I The older I get, Bobby, the more I pay for, for coaching. And maybe I pay too much for coaching, but, but I value having very, very smart people in my corner. And had I started that earlier, personally, I can just say this one, personally, had I started that earlier, that would have been a huge win. I'm somebody that didn't get this at all. Man, networking, networking is huge. I could not agree more, but networking, you're also pointing something out, networking to not with the goal of, you know, getting somebody to be your client or whatever, getting something from them. It's more about sharing ideas and elevating each other together, which sounds a lot of like meh, 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 but there's a lot of truth to it. And I think that, for example, I've learned so much from you. Why do you think I agreed to do this podcast? I said, oh my goodness, who's better at podcasting than Joe Saul Cihai? I can partner with him and I'm going to learn so much from him. And I do every day, Joe. Oh, that's so nice. 
It's true though, but it is true. We met literally at a conference and we met, you know, a number of times and I always was impressed with you and I know how successful Stacking Benjamins is. And so this was a a situation where exactly as this, there's networking. And because of that, I was able to partner with you and I was able to create a business with you and learn so much about podcasting from you. Well, thank you for that. And I'm very glad you said yes, but the, uh, I'm incredibly glad you said yes, but the, 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 the thing about networking that is frustrating for people, um, I have a lot of, I don't like the word privilege. I don't like the way it's thrown around a lot, but, but, but I got to say, you know, as a, as a, as a white middle-class dude, I, I had a lot of privilege. That said, I did grow up in kind of the back country of Southwest Michigan, this little farm town in the middle of, you know, a little town called Vicksburg, Michigan. And, um, and, and I did not know how to seek out the right people. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have that. And, and I think we have to recognize that, that we all start from different places when it comes from networking, but that's, that, that is not an excuse not to network. I've seen people go, well, I'm not around the right people. Well, you've got the internet. You can either spend all day in forums doing nothing, or you can use the power of that to seek out people and seek out ideas that are different than yours and new and the people that are behind those ideas. Like, like your ability to interface the number of people you and I have met because of this show, because they hang out with Mm -hmm. us on this show. And I don't know if we're the right people to be hanging out with or not. I'm not saying that, but I am saying there's this power we have now with technology that, um, that, that doesn't completely level the playing field. I don't want to say that at all, but it does make it easier for people that didn't have access before to begin to get access. I completely agree. And I also would would echo what you're saying about the importance of technology. Look, I, I absolutely grew up with a lot of financial resources, but I did not have connections in media. And I got an internship at CNN because I literally went there and just sat there till somebody would see me in person because there was no other way. You could send in a piece of paper and it would be in an envelope in a pile. That was all you could do. We didn't even have the internet at that time, literally. So you also have to have a little bit of, you know, I don't know, hustle and just kind of do it. Which I think, you know, make it happen. Which leads to the last point here. Be resourceful and build a small, strong community around you. Uh, Bobby, what do you think about that one? I think that's the most important thing. Look, back before coronavirus, I have seasonal brunches for people, women, I'm sorry, um, women that create content in the media space. So sorry, Joe, you have not been invited yet. But I think that that's so important, having different communities, inclusive communities and different kinds of communities, people that you have things in common with, people that you can learn things from that you don't have as much in common with. And that's how we, you know, not to be all, like I said, you know, la, 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 but that is how we grow. You, you are completely who you surround yourself with. And the older I get, the more I recognize that surrounding myself, not just with smart people, like we talked about earlier, but also surrounding ourselves with people that come at situations from different angles, from different starting points. You know, the reason why, Bobby, you said we should have a, 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 a different cast every four months is so we get all these different ideas uh, on the show. So, so we the, didn't talk about that yet. Yeah. The more, yeah. the more that we, the more that we build this community that, that can feed us different ideas and, and, and help our feed our curiosity on, on the different ways people handle money problems, 
better off, yeah. better off we're going to be. Yeah. I think that we've made very good. I'm, I just think the cast that we're now on season four and I love our season forecast, but I would say that about every cast that we've had, right. everyone was, you know, invited because we thought they had great ideas and different perspectives and different areas of expertise and coming at the world from different ways that would add value to what we had to offer. Coming audience. Up, coming up, Bobby and I are going to have our takeaways for the class of uh, 2020 and all of us. Uh, first, I want to say just a big thanks to everybody who's checked out AcreTrader using our link, acretrader.com forward slash MWF. You know, as we have seen the economy stumble, as we saw for a while, financial markets stumble, they're going to stumble again at some point and keeping a diversified portfolio makes a lot of sense. A lot of people will diversify into things like gold and bonds. There is something to be said for farmland. Farmland can be a very simple way to invest. You buy a piece of a field from acretrader.com forward slash MWF. When the farmer, you don't have to be a farmer, when the farmer pays their rent to you every month or to the to to uh, uh, work that field, you get your portion of the rent based on the amount of the field that you own. You, by the way, get that as 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 cash to do what you want with. So you're seeing a return on investment as you go. And then you see farmland because there's less and less of it. Farmland continues to go up. It doesn't go up all the time, but it certainly is an attractive piece of an investment because it works so much differently than residential real estate and so much, so, so much differently than commercial real estate. You look at what's going to happen in commercial real estate. If we all start working from home, you're not going to see that with farmland because we still need to eat. If we, if we ever create a, a society where we don't need fields, um, then maybe your farmland investment's in trouble. And there are ways with every investment where they might not be great for you, but I really, really, I like Acre Trader. I like the fact that they are in the breadbasket of America. And uh, by the way, they're right uh, they're right down the street from one of the strongest universities in agriculture, the University of Arkansas. Uh, head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. And that will tell you that we sent you. And that's how, by the way, you support the show. If you use Acre Trader, they then send us a thank you for sending you their way. So thanks to everybody who used our link if they decided Acre Trader was for them. All right. That's Acre Trader. Let's get to the class of 2020. And you, what is your, if you're giving the commencement speech on the Money with Friends podcast to the <laughs> class of 2020, Bobby, what's your commencement speech? So I want to start with a quote. From Stacey Hagenball, the author of this piece, who is the director of the Lazarus Center for Career Development at Smith College. And she ends the piece by saying, you are not alone. The great awaits and indeed the whole world are cheering you on. And I say that quote because I love the fact that this piece ends with the whole world is cheering you on. And I do believe the class of 2020 will find huge support as the economy recovers. But I also would like to focus on the fact that as much as the hardships were something that they could not control, and frankly, so many Americans cannot control the hardships that are facing so many people right now because of coronavirus, because of other factors. Solutions will likely have to be driven by individual drive, creativity, and resilience. Welcome to grown-up life in all its messiness. I absolutely love that. You would have gotten a standing ovation from me. 
in in the class of 2020. My mine is not nearly so eloquent, uh, but I'm I look sure at it is, Joe. but I look at I look at these four points from this piece and everything we talked about. It says there's no shame in a patchwork quilt of experience, but those experiences you to some degree, decide what you're going to focus on and and what you're not going to focus on. Second, graduate school, you decide whether you're going to go to graduate school or not. Third, networking, you decide how you're going to network or if you're going to network, who you're going to reach out to and who you might be afraid to reach out to so you don't and then you miss an opportunity. And then building a strong community around you, you decide who you hang out with and what you do. No matter where you start from, it really depends on you. And I know we all don't start from the same place, but that also means that it's, it's exciting no matter where you're at, Bobby, you've got all this opportunity in front of you and you get to decide what you do with it. And I think that, that the, the gravity of those choices, I think sometimes we take for granted and we shouldn't. Very well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. We should both be commencement speakers. <laughs> you should be. Universities and colleges, if you'd like to hire us to give your, your graduate big fee, Perfect. huge fee. Yes. Head yes. to, because we are a money show, right? So Joe's very famous, guys. <laughs> That's right. Yes, right. All right, Bobby, where do people help us make the show? Sometimes we uh, talk about this on Instagram, I heard. Yes, our Instagram handle is at MoneyFriendsPod. That is also our handle on Twitter. Please follow us and also stay close to the stories because we will tell you when we are taping and we will also give you questions and polls from time to time so you can be part of the show and maybe get a shout out. You can also learn more about the show on our website, MoneyWithFriendsPodcast.com. In fact, Bobby's taping an episode today, Monday, if you're listening to this on Monday, over on Facebook. And who are you recording at with, Bobby? I am recording with Cameron Huddleston. Uh, Cam journalist Cameron Huddleston, also uh, author of uh, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, a fantastic book about uh, intergenerational discussions and how difficult those yes. can be. All right. Uh, Bobby and Cameron are here tomorrow. I'll see you later in the week. We'll see you next time back here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.